Angie is in the uh, lectern right now, getting ready to read scripture to you from Matthew 12. Um, before she reads it, I want to give you this, this um, context. It seems to me that as we take a look at, at life, we try to stay focused on things that really matter, but it's so easy to get distracted and make things that really don't matter more important. That's true about our own personal life, it's true about family life, it's true about politics, it's true about institutions, including the church. And so often we get caught trying to figure out what are we going to do and what do we do to live the important stuff. And In the scripture you're going to hear Jesus going into a synagogue and he went in there to worship. But he discovered while he was there, the question came to him, what really matters the most? Listen to what he said and did. Jesus left that place and entered their synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand, and they asked Jesus, is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? He said to them, suppose one of you has only one sheep, and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. Will you not lay hold of it? And lift it out? How much more valuable is a human being than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man with the withered hand, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored as sound as the other hand. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against Jesus how to destroy him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Angie. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we ask you to allow us not to miss out on what matters most today. As we learn from you, as we follow you, help us to chart our path, our thoughts, and our actions that we would reflect what we learn and what we see in your witness. And let all the restless stuff in our life that takes up our energy and our focus, that really are not important. Let those things fall away. Let us live today with what truly matters. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you to this presentation of the 2017 Clarkston Yard Methodist Church Academy Award Show. We're so glad you're here today as we take a look at the movies that have captured our attention over the last month and present a variety of awards, including building up, of course, to the picture of the year. Last night, in an award ceremony to address lesser awards, these were the presentations. For most confusing plots, according to Ken Ermer, Arrival. <laughs> Would someone find Ken and please explain that movie to him? He just he has a hard time figuring that one out. For best animated feature, Sing. This also won for best song and best supporting actress by an elephant. <laughs> for best use of a game as metaphor and for the most asked question, were they angels or not, Collateral Beauty. Manchester by the Sea won for, well, I guess you'll never know, seeing I changed the movies and you didn't get to see that one. 
And now for the best motion picture of the year, as voted on by anybody who cared to post to the church Facebook page, I present Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures was our movie of this past week we went to go see over at Grey Lakes Crossing. And the whole idea of this Faith and Cinema series started four years ago, five years ago, whatever it was, really for a couple of reasons. One, we wanted to have something fun to come out of Christmas with. We have all this festivity and celebration, and then we wanted to jump into January with something that we would enjoy and celebrate and maybe invite folks who stopped by over the Christmas holidays to want to say, yeah, I'll go to that. But then this took on a much bigger um, role in the life of our congregation. It became something that we have truly looked forward to every year. Uh, People like having a reason to get out of the house in the middle of the winter. And the opportunity to gather together in large groups and small groups and go out for eats together and then go to the movie together, sitting in a movie theater where everyone there is a part of your faith community, just has its own joy and, and energy to it. We have also discovered, though, that the other reason for doing this series is this very simple belief. We think that we can learn about faith. We can experience our faith and take lessons for our faith in places beyond the walls of the church. So we go to see movies, and these are not the Christian movies, but rather just the movies that are out there in the movie theater, and find in them messages that reinforce, challenge, and make us think and act more faithfully as disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we go see these movies together, and then everyone comes out and say, gee, Pastor Rick, I wonder what you're going to do with that movie this week. (laughs) Same thing I'm thinking. I wonder what I'm going to do with this movie, too. And the movie, as I said, for this past week was Hidden Figures. Truly, I think the reality is, is that there's no surprise it was the winner of our annual Oscar presentation, because It was a movie that inspired people so significantly. It's the only movie of the four this year where we, without being prompted, stood up and applauded. How many of you knew the message of the role of African-American women in launching in the early part of NASA's life? How many knew that history at all before the movie? None of us did. None of us did. And the story of the three women we focus on truly was inspirational and educational, and I think giving us a message of faith. Katherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn, and Mary Jackson were names previously unknown to us, but we now know in their story as women with special talent and gifts who were able, because of their talent and gifts and because of their focus on mission, to challenge the brokenness of the world around them. They were focused on what truly mattered and wanted to live their life putting their energies and talents to that thing that really mattered and discovering along the way that they broke down all kinds of barriers that would have otherwise stood in their way. It began at an early age with Katherine Johnson. She was already identified at a very young age as being one of these children who understood math in an amazing way. Someone after the 9 o'clock service said, I was watching that little girl do a math equation on the board at the age of six. I was already lost with what she was doing, and, uh, and I was too. Had no idea what that math uh, formula was she was putting on a chalkboard. But that formula demonstrated that she needed to have an opportunity to grow deeper in this talent and to put it to use. And so her family 
with the encouragement of a couple of educators, discovered a place where she could be educated at the level of her ability, but to do so, her family would have to travel over 100 miles to take her to school. And the historical truth is her family did that. Every year, they would move over to where the school was, relocate so her ch their child could go to the special place to learn the skills that she had the ability to, to do, and then go back home when the school was over. Her family supported her in her calling and task, gave her the opportunity that so many others did not have. And that day, it was actually true in that part of the country that if you were an African-American child, male or female, you didn't go beyond the sixth grade. But she was allowed to grow. She was allowed to become who God had intended her to be. She was eventually invited, as others were invited, to come be a part of the NACA, a forerunner of NASA. A number of folks asked after the movie, how did they happen to collect a large number of African-American women to become their computers, their, their human people who figured out these difficult math equations? Well, the answer, historically, is, is because this all started during World War II. And there was a, a need to have people who could do this computation pre-computer. Pre and so with most of uh, the candidates off at war, they opened up the doors and began recruiting both white and colored computers. And they brought them into the program to begin to do the calculations that they needed to do to begin to accomplish a goal that was set before them to put a man, and yes, in those days it was a man, up in space. These women were brought together to focus on solving that problem. Now, as they stayed focused on that mission, they broke ceilings that were placed before them. They crossed barriers that were not allowed to be crossed outside of the walls of where they worked. It's interesting in doing the backstory to discover Catherine Johnson, who, by the way, is still alive at the age of 98. And when I saw her on an interview about two years ago, um, I mean, she's alive. <laughs> I mean, she's smart and with it and intelligent. And she's talking about this experience. She talks about the fact that when they came in to do NASA or the NACA, she actually did not experience personal racism. That is to say, the scene where a wastebasket was placed in front of her because they thought she was the janitor never happened. The, the separate coffee pots that were put out for colored and for white didn't happen. But they were put in the movie because they demonstrate the reality of the world that they were living in. Once they left the fence of Langley, they entered into a culture that said, this is where you would drink water and this is where I would drink water. This is where you'll go to the bathroom and this is where I'm allowed to go to the bathroom. And actually, in the NACA, they did have colored bathrooms and bathrooms for whites. They also had a room where the African-American computers did their thing, and the white computers did theirs. Now, that was true. But once there, they were focused on their mission. And she said that once we got there and got to work, people no longer really worried an awful lot about those issues of personal racism. It was systemic, yes, she had to leave where she worked and go all the way across campus to use the bathroom. That was true. Until the day came when it wasn't true. More about that in a second. But staying focused on their mission, they began to accomplish 
not only what was placed before them, but they began to change a culture around them. They began to call people to think about what really mattered the most. That's what happened when Jesus went into the synagogue. I mean, he's going into the synagogue to worship. That's why he went in the synagogue. What he discovered, though, is that what we often discover is that we get confused about what's really important. Churches and institutions and cultures and communities in our own personal lives can get easily distracted and prioritize things that are no longer really the focal point of why we were originally gathered together. We have traditions, we have expectations of behavior here, and you will conform to those as we come in to worship. That's why we give you a bulletin. We need to keep you on track. Oh my God, what happened if you didn't follow the bulletin? Well, what your greatest fear is, is that Rick Day could do anything at any time, and nobody wants that. So you give me a bulletin to follow, because that seems to be what's really important. And churches, as we all know, have always held on to things that they think are really important, that get in the way of being a faith community, of being those who represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening in this story. Jesus goes in his synagogue to worship. But in that synagogue, there were people there who actually wanted to honor God and were listening to the letter of the law, and they read in the law, literally, where it said, God said, you can't do work on the Sabbath. Well, then we're not going to do any work on the Sabbath. Well, except for the rabbis, of course. You know what that feels like? That's right. Well, anyway, so they said, no one can work on the Sabbath. Well, how do you define that? Well, they wanted to be really faithful, so they took it to the letter of the law, including we're not even going to take care of people who are hurting next to us in the pews. We'll worry about them the next day. You're the people of God worshiping the living God, and you're saying that as you do that, you're going to ignore the needs of the person sitting next to you. Jesus looks at that hypocrisy and says, which is greater? Which I translate to say, what the heck are you guys thinking? Why would you even get off on this? Of course, we know why they got off on that, because they're trying to be faithful, and they lose sight of what really matters the most. So Jesus, who had his eyes focused on what mattered the most, said, listen, y'all, I know you got this rule here, but this guy needs help, and I'm going to help him right now. Now, Jesus had the power of healing, and he healed the man. He healed the man. I mean, when people left worship that day, they could go out of their synagogue and say, you know what happened in worship today? You know Bill? You know Bill with a withered hand? You know Bill who's been handicapped since he was born? You know Bill? Well, Bill got healed today. He is completely together. They could have said that. But Angie read to you at the very end, some of them walked out saying, Jesus broke the rules. So we're going to kill him. Which I take to also mean this. When you and I sit in worship, and we act in ways that do not reflect Christ, it kills Jesus again. Jesus knew what mattered the most. And he's willing to set aside even the well-intended lesser issues to do the one thing that mattered the most in that moment. I think that's the message of Matthew 12 and Hidden Figures and how it comes together. What are you doing in your life? And how are you staying focused 
and the things that really matter? And how are you allowing your relationship with Christ to let go of the rest of the nonsense? In the movie, there are two moments of dialogue that stuck with me following the movie. I want to reflect on them. The first one is, do you remember the part of the movie where the role played by Kevin Costner, who, by the way, is not historically accurate to the story. In other words, he's a compilation of three different supervisors. So he's a portrayal of the administration of NASA. And he's pulled together these engineers, including Catherine, and he's trying to get them to refocus what they're doing because they're starting to splinter and worry about things that are ridiculous, like her skin color is different. What matters the most here? Why are we here? We're here for one thing, to put a man in space. And everything that gets in the way with that is no longer going to be tolerated. And that's how it happened in in ACA. One day a supervisor who became aware of the fact that Catherine, because she was African-American, was having to get up from her desk and run across campus so she she could use the bathroom in the colored-only bathroom and then come all the way back across campus to come back to her desk. It was wasting valuable time. It was taken away from the mission. And so the supervisor went down, and in the scene we see in the movie, Kevin Costner literally tears down the colored bathroom sign. And one of the great theological statements of all time, we all pee the same color. (laughs) Folks, if you walk out of here with nothing else today, Anytime you're tempted to see someone you disagree with, someone you don't like, someone who speaks a different language or comes from a foreign land but doesn't have power or prestige or somebody else who somehow you are more likely inclined to walk the other side of the street from, I want you to think this message, we all pee the same color. (laughs) You see, the mission, as it happened there in the NACA, is what broke the color barrier. The NACA didn't wake up and say, we're against racism. They said, we got to stay focused on what matters. Now, you'll remember the other scene in the movie where a husband or one of the women says civil rights are not always civil, and that's true. There are times when people need to march in the streets. There are times when people need to protest and take action against injustice and oppression on behalf of those who have no voice. All of that is valid. But at least in this movie, there is this also understanding that sometimes we move the needle by staying focused on what matters the most, and we break through ceilings and barriers that are otherwise kept in front of us. If you in your life and I in my life and we collectively as this family of God stay focused on our mission, connecting people and people to God, you know how radical that statement is in the world today? In a world that's starting to say who can and who can't be here, our mission is to connect people to people and people to God. And our new members who joined earlier this morning, they were asking the question, what do you guys expect here? What are you asking of us to do? Well, we said that mission statement. And then we placed before them the vows that they had to make. Will you be loyal to Christ? That's what I'm asking you to do today on behalf of the church is to be loyal to Christ. Am I asking you to be a loyal Democrat or a loyal Republican? No. 
Am I asking you to be loyal to whatever other things in your life are asking your prioritization? No. I'm asking the context of how you live. Will you continue to focus on who Jesus is to you? And what he's saying to you? And what it's calling you to do? And I recognize there'll be days he's going to ask you to do something different than me. And that's okay. Because we aren't the same people. But we will find our unity in our being connected to Christ. And through the United Methodist Church, which, listen, let me just tell you this right now. Anybody here want to get into a debate with me about what's wrong with the United Methodist Church? You will lose. (laughs) It is my life. I've breathed it since the cradle, and I love it, and I would die for it. It's been the mother of my faith every day of my life. But I can tell you because, like, we're blood, I know the flaws of my family. You know how that works, right? You can talk about your family, but I can't. You understand how that works, right? But I understand this. If I'm going to love Christ through the United Methodist Church, what I'm saying to you is I have two expectations. Two. I expect each day you will fall more in love with Jesus. And I expect you will do something to change the world for the sake of Jesus. That's our mission. I expect you to participate in the ministries of the church by your prayers. I expect you, and I can do this because I'm your elder right now, and you are members of this church, or you stop by anyway, and we're thrilled you're here. I expect you to pray for this church. Because Lord knows we need it. There are days I need your help. I expect you to pray for the church. I expect you to show up with your presence. I expect you to be here every Sunday from now on. Wow, that popped some heads up real fast. Now, I know that's not realistic. But I also know this. Does it matter today that you're sitting where you are to the person who's seated next to you? Yes, it does. It matters if you show up. And some days, as they say, the best you can do is show up. And just show up. By your gifts. What did God make you to be? How did God gift you? Kathy, Kathy Walker's on our staff. She's in the finance office. Her motto is, I love numbers. She loves numbers. She likes positive numbers more than negative numbers, so help her out, okay? But anyway, she loves numbers. Thank God Kathy's in the office, because me and numbers, not so much. But I'm telling you right now, you need Kathy in that office. And don't ask Rick to step in. By service. Man, I know sometimes we have to come to the church to get what we need, but if you're coming into this church to get that and walking out not giving what the world needs in Christ, something's wrong. We've got to serve the world. We've got to serve Christ in the world. And our witness. Our witness. That's an old word. Now, let me tell you what I'm doing with the word. Actually, I'm working on this in my head, and I may write a, something about this. I don't know, but God's telling me something that... You know, in the United Methodist Church, we are, we're uncomfortable about witnessing. How many of you love to witness? Some of you. Not many of you. Most of you go, oh, man, I hate when he asks these questions. <laughs> I never know what to do with my hands. <laughs> Quick, give me a hymnal to hold on to. We're uncomfortable with witnessing because sometimes I think we believe it puts a spotlight on us. Hey, look at what God has done for me. Let me tell you about my life with Jesus. Aren't I a better person? 
But see, that's not what Jesus ever asked for. What Jesus asked for is to tell the story. I'm not telling you my story because I think I'm all that. In fact, if you know the truth of my story, you'll know I'm not all that. But I'm going to tell my story to invite you to grow in your story. I want to, I want to tell you what I know about God so you and I together can figure out what we know about God, what we know about Christ, what we know about faith. I want to invite you into doing that with me. Doesn't that feel better than look at me? We're called to witness by our words and our actions. And in the movie Hidden Figures, their witness changed the entire community and made possible the mission. In fact, the mission would not have happened had they not been there. Our mission will not happen if you don't show up. And that's just the truth. The other line of the movie I love is this. When she turns to the Kevin Costner person, she says, well, you're the boss, you just have to start acting like it. (laughs) You are a child of God. You are loved unconditionally for the rest of eternity by the Almighty God. You are called and claimed as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You have made a profession of faith that you will follow this Christ. You who are members have committed to being here with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. Start acting like it. And in many ways, you and I already are, but we all have that yet to be. You know why this matters so much? And really has nothing to do with you are the most beautiful baby God ever made. And this family will affirm that. That's not what matters. What matters is today we said what matters more than anything else. Your job, my job, our job is to build a community where this baby will know that she's loved by the power of the almighty God. And that when we're not able to be with her, because that day's a coming, faster than you think. You know that she'll be in the world surrounded by that God and seeking a community of faith that will help her grow as a child of Christ. We're all children of Christ. That's what you and I just pledged to. We made covenant that Brooklyn and Connor and all the children of this church will be part of a mission bigger than themselves for the sake of Christ in the world. And that's a good thing. That's gospel. And that's my invitation to you. Let's get on with it. Amen.